HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers, by young farmers. And today we're moving uh, in the direction of farming with an eye to value added, interviewing Rachel Buddy from Fat and the Moon. She makes, she makes well, I guess they're cosmetics, but they're, they're part of a, a spectrum of products that are in the herbal department, made by many witches and uh, aspiring witches, um, as we reclaim more and more parts of our consumer products for the local economy. Rachel, thank you for joining. Thanks so much, Severin. So tell me, um, um, but some of your products say that they're made in Oakland, and some of them say that they're made in Point Arena. Will you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your territory as a witch and about your production um, of these wonderful concoctions? Yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, well, uh, they are the products are actually now exclusively made in Point Arena, California, um, way up on the coast, about three and a half hours north of San Francisco. Um, but by way of Oakland and um, by way of Brooklyn. So um, I started um, in Brooklyn. Actually, um, I lived there for eleven years as an artist, going to art school. And then, um, yeah, I got really interested in uh, in herbal medicine, um, starting with with the weeds, really. Um, and then from there, um, just wanted a different kind of life, different kind of lifestyle. And so headed west and uh, just spent a short time in Oakland. And then um, now I'm living living the dream um, on on a really beautiful little farm up on the coast. And um, I'm able to grow a lot of the herbs that I use in my products. Um, and yeah, I just get to get to make um, body care products all day. So pretty much they're uh, the things that you know I use on a regular basis, and um, my friends use, and my family. So there's a pretty big spectrum of products from like more medicinal things, like foot foot powder for 
all kinds of uh, fungal issues and things like that, all the way to, you know, like lipsticks um, and adornment. So, yeah, but they really just come from uh, my own needs and uh, the needs of the people in my life. So you looked around in the world and and decided that the things that were being sold were not good enough. And, um, you know, a lot of people make salve. A lot of our listeners, a lot of my friends, a lot of the young farmer people are making salve and tinctures. And then some people making, people making soap, but you know, it's a whole different, um, it's a whole different kettle of fish when you start making emulsions. I wonder if you could, just tell us about how you approached the learning and then and then what it was like perfecting the craft of creams, decadent yeah. creams. Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, I, um, I'm an artist, and so sort of materials and exploration of materials is one of, um, one of the things that I enjoy the most. So, um, yeah, I guess I looked around and I like had a pretty substantial stash of body care products, um, you know, and some of them were like the all natural brand and not, some of them totally weren't. So I think I was like looking for something that was good for my body and actually worked and I wasn't finding a lot of that. Um, so I think, yeah, I was just like, well, if I'm not seeing it, then maybe I can make it. So I, you know, I think it's just like I decided to take that project on and um, I was kind of amazed at the simplicity of it. Like, yeah, there's some skills for sure that you need to get and all that stuff, but it's like once you see it, once you do it once and um, and you have the drive, it's really like, yeah, um, a lot of the stuff is like pretty straightforward. Um, and actually I teach uh, workshops. It's part of my sort of fat in the moon, uh, how, how I want fat in the moon to be in the world is also passing, uh, passing along those skills. So, um, yeah, it's just like, it's amazing when somebody just shows you one time how to do something, um, how it just takes all the mystery away. So, um, yeah, uh, I was just pretty devoted, uh, to finding alternatives and, um, and luckily the plants are really fun to work with, honestly, and all the materials that I have are kind of a blast to work with. So, um, yeah, I didn't really, it was, it was like a very attractive endeavor in that way. Well, you haven't revealed how you learned. Did you learn, did you read books? Did you find workshops? Did you oh, find oh, mentors? Yeah. Like, yeah, so. What's the process? Yeah, so I've, um, I've taken a couple of different workshops and then also I've studied, uh, herbal medicine, um, through a couple of different workshops, but also um, this really amazing herbalist um, here in San Francisco, Joshua Muscat, and then I have uh, another teacher, Kat Harrison, who's more in the ethno-botanical realm. Um, and, yeah, so a lot of it was, like, especially at the beginning, I got books and just tried. I don't know, like, yeah, it's like when you you understand, like, a basic sad recipe. So you have this foundation, and then there's so much room in there to play. So, um yeah, that was kind of how I how I started out, and then you know picking up some pieces um, as I as I went along. Um, luckily, this this uh, this phase in my life, um, it seemed as if any time I needed um, an answer about like a particular herb or ingredient, there just happened to be a person around at at the very at the very same time who could bestow that information upon me. So, yeah, um, and I've also um, 
uh, taken permaculture. Uh, um, I'm, I was, I'm certified in permaculture. So there's like, you know, there's like little bits and pieces that I've kind of um, assembled along the way. Sorry, I had to unmute. You're making it sound very plausible that uh, more of us could join you in the cream cream making. Um, tell us about your experience of the market. Obviously, you're as an artist, you have a good flair for branding and for making a nice bottle shape and um, describing things nicely. And um, what was your methodology as you went around trying to find a market for these for the products? And and is this now? Um, a full livelihood? Can you make it into a full livelihood? Um, tell us about that. Yeah. Do you distribute? Do you distribute nationally or only locally? That kind of question. Yeah. But remember, um, our so audience is young farmers, so there's likely to be people who are interested to learn from your experience. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. I think um, it is. Uh, it's totally plausible. I. You know. It's. It's like. This was a pretty organic process for me because I was able to take my my uh, my knowledge and my experience as an artist um, with my my knowledge of herbal medicine with my need for something in the world, and those things really found their overlap and sat in the moon. So I think, yeah, like there are there's a lot of different niches out there, and I think that's actually what like the responsibility of young farmers and and young entrepreneurs in the sense of like, you know, in, in a way where there's like, okay, so where are these gaps and where, where are these places where especially there's like toxic um, um, products out there or toxic ways of thinking or toxic food? Like how can we use our creativity and our knowledge to not only address our own um, need for a livelihood but also um, meet a need in the world um, to essentially make the world a better place. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but I think that's really been the, uh, the driving force behind, um, behind Fat in the Moon. And, yeah, um, Fat in the Moon is my, is my livelihood. I'm really, really blessed and really lucky to have that be the case. Um, and uh, I distribute my products all over the world. Uh, right now, so um, yeah, and I think that there's so much uh, in herbal medicine um, that there's just—I mean, there's such a need. Um, there's a need to grow the medicine. There's a need for people to um, educate themselves about how to heal themselves. There's a need to learn the skills to make medicine, uh, and and there's a real need to make sure that that is um, something that is protected as a right of uh, of human beings because. Herbal medicine is the people's medicine, and um, and I think it could it could do a lot of good for a lot of people, um, especially as uh, pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals are. Um, I mean, they're dangerous, and they are um, you know they can be very unaffordable, and um, and you know they're really great for some things, but um, there's a lot that um, that herbs can do just to keep people healthy. So yeah, I think that there's uh, there's a lot in there. Um, I hope I answered all the questions. <laughs> So, um, how many, I guess, let's, let's go, um, how many years has this been in development and maybe some of the tactics you took to find your market, like how you approach that? And then I'm sorry, I'm just having just, a little trouble hearing you. Oh, sorry. You mentioned that you're just um, returning from a trip to Slovenia. Maybe you could explain a little bit um, about that journey. 
yes, my uh, family, my mom's side of the family is from Slovenia, and uh, I still have family there, and I've known them mm, my whole life. So um, last month I went, I went to Slovenia, um, one, to uh, learn the traditional uses of plant medicine, um, as uh, as my family um, uses plant medicine, so very kind of like close to home and kitchen medicine. I was very interested in in learning, but also to kind of uncover the the lineage to um, to learn a bit about my a bit more about my family history and why um, and how my um, my grandmother came to Slovenia, or I'm sorry, from Slovenia to America. And um, it was uh, it was a really beautiful um, full trip um, because um, I mean, in the sense of my own familial history, uh, it was very intense and uh, riddled with trauma and war. Um, but also um, the power of the medicine, really of herbal medicine, really came through. Um, it's interesting because. Uh, with the greenhorns and young farmers and uh, and sort of the DIY culture that is in, you know, that is a real, you know, big part of at least the people who I'm hanging out with here in the U.S. Um, there is this, uh, this resurgence, this revitalization of these traditional um, pieces of culture. And when I was in um, Slovenia, it's, pretty different. The older generations really hold so much knowledge, um, so much tradition, um, you know, in terms of the culture, but also in knowledge. So, you know, in in where the mushrooms are growing, what time of year to harvest them, the, the herbs, the lore of the herbs, the medicinal uses of the herbs. Um, how to how to make how to plant uh, their their gardens based on the cycles of the moon. All that stuff is like embedded into the culture, and um, a lot most people you know know at least five different herbs to put to use um, in their day to day, and and even the children know this. Um, but the difference is uh, the that kind of knowledge and that kind of tradition is associated with. Um, with something that I think the young people um, in Slovenia are really trying to distance themselves from um, because they are inundated with um, with American movies and TV and, and consumerism, essentially. Um, so the, the interest is waning. Um, uh, and so I, I felt as an herbalist here and as, you know, uh, somebody who's an avid um, DIY lifestyle farmer kind of girl, like that much more, uh, that much more inspiration and excitement around making sure that my ties to my lineage were strong and that that knowledge is going to be passed down through, through me and my work and also the work of, um, hopefully my children to come. So that, um, it was a very powerful trip, um, in that sense. Well, it's a question I have. Um, I, I have a. I have this question. You know, we're inundating the world with marketing narratives and you know fetishism of consumer capitalism, and everyone everywhere is bombarded with these messages of desire for 
consumer products and digital products. Um, Severin, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Oh, I don't know. There's The technology is terrible. But the point is, beaming an alternative message of, um, of a more grounded economy is kind of a challenge. And I feel like mm-hmm. as an artist, you're building a very powerful, like, desire narrative for at least in terms of the cream, like in terms of the the sensual experience of putting on these face creams and being connected to the production and the story of that production. Uh, Have you thought a little bit about what the kind of performative aspect of your your cream and your work, um, what that kind of is, or maybe I'm pushing you in a direction that's uncomfortable? Sure. I think I can understand what that means. Let's see here. Performative nature. Um, so I have, yeah, I have a lot of different, uh, different products. Um, and I guess the, it depends on, on kind of what's going on with your, with your body or what, what, uh, what particular product that you're, that you're using. But, um, but kind of in the same way that, um, you know, like Whole Foods, um, uh, you you know, you, you have like a very delicious broccoli, you know, that you've just picked from the garden and the flavors are so are so good that you kind of need less. Like there's there's something where the quality um is high so you don't need so much quantity. And so um that's how I feel about the ingredients that I use. Um and so yeah, everything is kind of in smaller jars and it's sort of in this way like concentrated. So um um, it, yeah, and again, I could speak um, maybe more specifically about each uh, each product, but in a sort of general sense, um, I try to you know maintain um, the, the top quality um, of, of all of my sourcing, so um, for herbs and for oils and for waxes, and uh, and then yeah, there's a little bit goes a long way with all of the products. I, I would pretty much say so. Yeah, it's a little bit about them, maybe like specifically performance-wise? Well, I guess I guess what I mean is that the posters on, you know, the cosmetics industry spends some of the most money on marketing of any industry. And, you know, the cover girl and the Lancome and, like, you know, especially in the airport. I've just been in the airport a lot. Holy yeah. smokes, there's so much makeup for sale. And... Yeah. And so when I think about trying to help um, re-acculturate a generation to de- into a desiring and feeling a wholesome connection to mm. work and to place and to what mm. it means to be a humble human in a big landscape, that uh, your little potions are kind of like an antidote to that mm. consumer culture and they're decadent um, and they're desirable and like you know there's nothing quite as desirable as a nice cream on your face um, and so I don't know I, I guess I was like mm. pushing a little bit to see if it's almost like a performance of this kind of like anti um, mm. like it's like anti-consumerism or something yeah I see but, I see what you mean 
Yeah. So, I mean, Fat in the Moon is a feminist endeavor, for sure. And uh, I, it was, you know, one of the considerations when I started this as an actual business where I put fat in the, the name of, um, you know, this beauty care business. And a lot of people, even my friends, were like, why would you use that word, you know, in it's going to turn it's going to turn people off and i felt like it was just like fat and moon is like this opportunity to provide you know provide really good healthy products for your bod but also to be a little bit playful and to be a little bit like okay let's let's be conscious of the toxic ingredients that are in so much of our shampoos and our makeups and our body creams and our baby baby washes but also let's like be really aware of the toxic messaging um that comes along it's just like you don't even think about it but it's so insidious um like the anti anti aging you know anti wrinkles anti cellulite you know there's so much that um that just it presupposes that there's something wrong with you, basically, that you need this thing because there's something wrong with you. And my interest is in really about, like, self-love and indulgence and taking care of your body because you love it and because it deserves to be taken care of. Um, and I think that is really what um, I want to promote um, and what I, you know, what I try to to do, even even as as an example of this, this is this is something that I really love to do, and I um, and I want to empower other people um, to take care of their to take care of their bodies, but also to learn a little bit more about plants and and learn uh, about the ingredients, um, not only that they're eating, but also that they're they're putting on their on their skin. Um, so, yeah, that's because I mean. We are all affected by um, by the the by the posters. I lived in New York and was a nanny for years, and uh, really, really saw how advertisement um, gets into the minds of of especially young girls um, so early, and really um, plays plays on. Uh, on just like the insecurities of the young in in ways that are just like you're you're making me feel insecure because you're trying to sell me a cream like that's just ridiculous <laughs> so yeah um i'm all about self love and and enjoyment and you know there is something a little bit decadent about it but i think it's really just in the it's just about like fun and uh fun in kind of a serious way <laughs> So, um, I guess a question I have for the people in the audience who are, you know, considering doing more of these kinds of products potentially from their farm, you know, or, you know, rose, rose petal or rose petal in glycerin or salve made out of calendula or tincture or oil infused with St. John's with St. John's wort flowers or growing uh, aerial parts or soap. Um, all of these are kind of the crafty projects that we might do on the fridge but not really, like, bring out into the farm stand. Um, I guess maybe just, like, a tiny little tutorial on what to expect if you're selling your stuff online. I, th- I think you're on Etsy. Is that true? <laughs> Can you just say the last part again? A tutorial on what? 
your stuff on Etsy on the internet. How are you doing your internet? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I do sell on on Etsy. That's like a really really great uh, resource for people because um, the infrastructure is just there, so you can just make your shop in a day. Um, and that is that's really great. It's it's accessible and uh, and relatively easy to use uh, as a platform to get your stuff out there for sure. Um, yeah, I think that there's uh, oh, there's so many different ways to approach this. And honestly, this is just this has been this has been my way. Um, and I know that you know, like I definitely did not start out um, as a business person, and I'm learning all that stuff kind of in reverse. So um, I think having like maybe a little bit more uh, experience or um, education around like small business, like there's tons of free small business um, workshops and things like that out there. And I would definitely suggest that. That's like extremely helpful just to get organized because, you know, once you, once you, once you get the ball rolling, you're going to just be super duper busy. So especially if you're growing the herbs, um, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot, uh, to, to, you know, putting it in the ground, letting it grow, harvesting it and all that stuff. But Etsy is really great because you can just do all that and like still be in your pajamas and like sell your stuff. Um, yeah, so that's what I would suggest uh, for sure. It's a, and then you know you can also have it on like a website and and link your your shop to your uh, to your Etsy shop to the website. There's so much in just like the technology and like um, and on Etsy um, that I've just been really amazed by. People really come together um, on the internet, and that might sound ridiculous, but um, I'm kind of been slow to. <laughs> to see the power of those kinds of things and the power of even like Instagram. It's really, it's just like pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, that's what I would have to say about that. So we can suggest people study what you've done because it's working. Well, I really appreciate your time and thoughts. And if anyone wants to go and learn more about Rachel's products and about how she's done a very nice job, in my opinion, finessing, her online presence and marketplace and care and diligence in the product and, um, you know, real powerful transparency. Um, Check it out. And um, I am supposed to announce things that are happening, but there's just too much happening right now. It's freaking conference season and it's off the hook. We're sending an email out tomorrow with our November blast and it's, there's just like 17 events. So um, Grange Tour is coming. We're coming down from Mendocino to San Diego. We're going Fort Bragg, Little Lake, Anderson Valley, Sebastopol, um, Santa Cruz, Shaping SF with um, Chris Carlson and Lisa Ruth in San Francisco, on down to San Luis Obispo, Ojai, San Juan Capistrano, San Diego. So if you're in California and a Granger or not a Granger, but wanting to be introduced to the Grange by the Greenhorn. Um, hop on the website, greenshuture.org or thegreenhorn.net, and come and attend one of our fun parties. Okie dokie. Thank you for joining, Rachel. Thank you so much, Severin. Hope to meet you someday. Hope to meet all of you someday. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.